In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. It's time for Tea Party Talk, brought to you by the Rome Tea Party, a community committed to standing together, shoulder to shoulder, to protect our country and the Constitution upon which we were founded. Now, here's your host, Mike Morton. Good morning, Romans. It's been one hell of a week. And here, uh, well, for America, just one hell of a week for America. We'll take on a little bit of, of it and see if we can peel a few layers of that onion back. Welcome all. Welcome to Tea Party Talk, brought to you by the Rome Tea Party right here on WLAQ 1410 AM and on 96.9 FM. I'm your host, Mike Morton, and joining me as our special guest host is Joel Thornton. Joel is going to lead us through a discussion of human trafficking. Joel Thornton, welcome to Tea Party Talk. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be with you. Okay, looking forward to it now. Uh, uh, however, just in case that uh, you folks don't remember, uh, keep keep in mind that we are Rome's only lo- uh, local conservative radio talk show. And one more reminder. In case you miss us on the regular schedule of Saturday mornings at 9.30 a.m., you can catch us on Saturday afternoons at WLAQ1410.com throughout the afternoon, or you can catch us on Saturday afternoon at Facebook, The Wrong Tea Party, 24 and 7 throughout the weeks that follow. Okay, Joel, let's see if we can't get started here. Well, first thing we got to do is to let everybody know that we're going to be talking about human trafficking today. Mm -hmm. And that is something that Joel is well-versed in. And I always look forward to hearing uh, hearing him talk about this. Let's start off by, and, and we probably have, just as I was at one time, people out there who don't know what... Right. human trafficking is uh and uh and that's the way i was just a mm-hmm. few you know a couple years ago i guess yeah i guess it was so uh bring us up to speed what is human trafficking and maybe the, the parallels that go with it of of uh, sex trafficking and yeah and so okay yeah that's, that's that's a great question and you know mike it never ceases to amaze me the people that aren't aware of it. Cause you know, I, I kind of am immersed in this world a little bit. Yeah. And so I, I just think everybody understands it. And then I'll run across people and I'll mention it and they'll go, what are you talking about? And then when you start explaining it to them, it just completely freaks them out when they find out what's going on. But, but yeah. trafficking in humans is, it's basically modern day slavery. 
And it, it goes on, the, the primary trafficking that goes on around the world, it's uh, about, I think, 77% of the traffic victims, and there are somewhere between 25 million and 40 million victims worldwide right Is now. Is a key word, a worldwide phenomenon? It, it is. And it, it's not just going on in foreign countries, though. It's going on in America. It's going on in Rome, Georgia. That's what most people are, are most surprised to learn. People that have heard something can about it. Can we get, it. when you can, get into the weeds on what's going on in Rome, Georgia? We can, can. we can. We can get into the weeds of Georgia in particular, the numbers in Georgia, but but examples of things that, that happen or have happened in Rome uh, where, where this kind of thing is going on. So it's not, just, it's not just in the inner cities. It's not just in the bad places in town. It's basically everywhere. It's worldwide. It's a $150 billion a year industry. Those are estimates. Uh, again, they don't file tax returns, so nobody knows for sure. <laughs> They're probably low estimates, though, would be my guess. But it, it involves uh, the idea is that you take people, and, and typically they call it trafficking because although you don't have to move people from one location to another, the typical example is someone is moved from, from say, uh, Romania to Italy to work. And they're they're coerced into coming, or they're they're tricked fraudulently into coming to to Italy. So a, a recruiter would go into Romania and go up to if they're looking for sex workers, they'd go up to young girls. If they're looking for laborers, they might go up to young boys and say, "Hey, I've got a I've got a cousin that owns a restaurant in Milano, and he's looking for waitresses. He's looking for bus boys. He he's look, he can't find enough employees. I'd like to take you to to Italy and give you a job with him. What would you think about that? Oh, this is great. I don't have any opportunities here, and they willingly go with these guys. And then when they get to Italy, they find out that there's no restaurant. There's no restaurant job, and now they're in a foreign country. They don't have their passports because these guys have, have agreed to hold their passports to keep them safe. So they're trapped. And then over the course of whatever breaking that has to go on in the midst of all this, they then turn them into sex workers or into labor workers. That's, that's the typical way it happens. About 77% of all trafficking victims are labor trafficking, which means uh, they're either unpaid or underpaid. So migrant workers would be would would not be trafficked necessarily. The the guys that are picking the fruits in the fields and, and picking the vegetables in the fields that, that just basically work their way across the country as the weather improves. You know, they go from the deep south up into the Midwest, mm-hmm. or they go from the southwest up into the Midwest and then over to the south. And they're picking the 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 fields and cleaning the fields, those guys are not necessarily trafficked victims. It would depend on how they got here. It's not the end job that determines whether you're a victim. It's it's the process. What happens right now is the on process the, that you got into that of, of how you field. Get, of how you get to it. Right. So it's it's uh, there. There are a lot of people that are doing that because it's all they know how to do. They're desperate for money and they're just doing it. And they're they're working and they're getting paid their full, their full wage. It may not be minimum wage, but they're getting paid what they agreed to work for. Uh, but some of them are there and are getting paid next to nothing because they're victims of trafficking. And they they may be. A lot of these, a lot of the cartels down in Mexico, because they share the border, bring up kids and families from Honduras and Guatemala and Panama and, and all of those countries just south of Mexico and Central America and even from South America. And they, they pay these people to bring them to America. And they're called coyotes, the people that help bring them in and help them to cross the border. So there's an organized 
there's an organized flow of people coming out of Central America into Mexico to the southern border, and then the coyotes take them across. And these people are paying for the right to do this. So I'm very heftily, very heftily. Often they're paying their their entire life savings. They're they're risking everything. Mm-hmm. They've sold everything they have if they had anything. They've gathered all the money they could from relatives or anybody else, and they're paying these guys. And even if it's only Two or three hundred dollars. It's everything these people have. It's it's a lifetime of work for them, and these guys then are bringing them up here and saying, "Okay, we'll go. We'll take you to America. And we'll help you get a job." And they bring them to America, help them get a job, and then go. Now you got to. You didn't pay us enough because this was actually cost us five thousand dollars to bring you up here. So now you've got to pay for that. Oh, we're letting you live in this house. You got to pay for that. Oh, we're feeding you. You got to pay for that. And so they end up working for five or six dollars an hour, but not even making a dollar an hour by the time they're paying back all the money. And they live a life of of indentured servitude that never that you never get out of. It's the debt is so high, the interest rates are so high that you never get out of it. So you're stuck in this labor world forever working like this for other people. That's labor trafficking. It happens a lot in the in the cocoa fields and the and the coffee fields of South America, Africa and other places because they bring in a lot of seasonal workers and they don't pay them right and they exploit them. And there's a lot of labor trafficking involves a lot of exploitation of people. And I, I don't get heavily involved in labor trafficking uh, simply because the emotional scars of labor trafficking are nothing compared to the emotional scars of sex trafficking. Yeah. Why? Why is what are you saying there? What I'm saying is to be exploited as a laborer is not emotionally challenging in the same way as being exploited as a sex worker. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more. To think about it this way, if I'm, if I'm being exploited as a laborer, let's say that I'm coming in and I'm working for a lawn care service. I'm not doing anything that's emotionally damaging to me by, by mowing the lawns and by taking care of doing the landscaping. Okay. But I, the, the, the rear end treatment of not getting any money is probably emotionally damaging, but it's not, it doesn't damage my psyche the same way that being a sex worker would. Okay. So the fact that I'm, I'm working this job and I'm getting paid minimum wage, but I'm only making $2 an hour in real money by the time it's all over because of all the exploitation that's going on is a, is a horrible thing, but it's not a, an emotionally damaging and a lifetime, a lifetime sucking down. If I, if I were to do that for a while and then get on with a legitimate company and break away from my traffickers and go out and start earning a living, I wouldn't necessarily carry the scars of that time I'd done that. Mm-hmm. With me, with sex working, it's it's completely the opposite because when you think about it like this, they're taking young women mostly. It's starting to be more and more boys, but it's still mostly women. Twenty three percent of the traffic victims, and again, there are twenty five to forty million traffic victims around the world. Twenty three percent of them are sex traffic victims, which is about five million if you go with the twenty five million. So about 5 million people are being sex trafficked around the world. Those people, those young girls typically, because the average age that someone is, that a woman gets involved in and gets trafficked is between 13 and 14. And we're talking about little girls. We're not talking about women. We're talking about little girls. So between age 13 and 14, they get involved in the sex trafficking industry, which again, doesn't mean necessarily that they went anywhere. You could be a sex traffic victim and be from Rome, Georgia, living in Rome, Georgia, living at home and still be being exploited as a sex worker in Rome, Georgia. Now, that's a very rare thing. 
but that implies that there's some parents' awareness there are involvement. There are instances like that. In Lafayette, Louisiana, when I went to Lafayette for the first time to talk to them about human trafficking, the, a church out there said, we want you to come out here and talk about human trafficking. We're going to set up some meetings with the government. I met with the Crime Prevention Task Force, and we were talking about the first question that all the government agencies asked me, the mayor, the chief of police, the sheriff, the district attorney, is, is this going on locally? And I'm like, almost assuredly. Well, then I meet with the crime prevention task force, and, and one lady on the crime prevention task force tells me about two mothers who are literally selling their daughters for sex, their minor daughters for sex, and that's how these mothers make a living. Can you imagine being a mother and offering up your own child as a sex worker to make money? And then there was another case, another lady told me about a case of a grandmother who was training her three-year-old granddaughter how to do certain sexual things that I can't talk about on the radio in order to prepare her to be a sex worker, using her dolls and her teddy bears and stuff to teach her how to do certain things so that she could become a sex worker and that grandmother could make money. It's a, the most normal way that, it, that someone gets involved in sex trafficking is through a family member, usually not your parents. But even there are cases all over the world where parents— I, Uncle, I, your I know cousin, your— I've got a friend that's a, that's a missionary in Cambodia. He set up an orphanage there, and what he does is he buys children from their parents. who are The parents are marketing their children to sex traffickers to sell one of their children to support the other five or six or seven children they have. So they're, they're so desperate, they'll sell one off just for a flat rate. It's not like a daily sale. It's, you give me $300, you give me $100 for this child, and he's yours, and then they go and feed their family for a couple of months. Uh, when you can feel comfortable with huh. let's talk about the answer to this question. Where in the world are the cops? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, the cops are... Uh, they're dealing with it as best they can. Our, our police departments worldwide are overwhelmed right now. Oh, sure. And, okay. and we know, I mean, here they're more overwhelmed than they've ever been with all the rioting and just the craziness. The whole Black Lives Matter movement, the, the biggest problem with that is it's distracting the communities from doing what they ought to be doing on some of these more important things, like trafficking. The police are there, but, but uh, you know, at the same time, the police are sometimes involved in the trafficking. The traffickers, there's, there's so much money here, $150 billion a year, Mike. That, that's more than, than all of the top athletic companies combined. I mean, you take Nike and, and Adidas and these other companies, and they don't even, they, they're a blip. I mean, this is a huge amount of money. You take that money and you start, you start throwing out $20,000, $5,000 a month or $20,000 a year or whatever it is to a police officer who's making twenty five dollars or $30,000 a year. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just asking you to ignore it. When you drive by this street right here, don't drive by this street right here. So when you're on your route, you just, take a, you just go around and ignore us. It, it's a pretty simple thing, and you're not really doing anything horrible if you don't have a, if you don't have the right moral compass, which we're finding fewer and fewer people in the world do, I mean that's one of the things that's, that's deteriorating in the modern world is is that moral center that people have, that God-based center. That we were all raised in Christian homes, even if we weren't Christian, we were raised in a Christian culture that taught us do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Thou shalt not kill. 
Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not steal. We may have been raised in an atheist home, but those things were still taught to us because it was part of the culture. That's all disappearing now. Now it's all about what do you need? What's going to make you happy? What's going to fulfill you? Oh, thank you for participating. That's the trouble I have with participation trophies is we end up where we are. My, my, uh, my dad pounded into my head the phrase true north. Mm -hmm. And true north was what I, I must. I must lead myself to believe. Yeah. Uh, Your time. life had to be aimed at true north. Right. And, and true north, that's what I'm talking about by moral compass. Yeah. It, it sets you and says, that's the direction. Everything else is a distraction. Everything else is wrong. That's and you, you, your dad probably taught you, you do what's right even if it hurts. Oh yeah, <laughs> and if you do what's wrong, it's gonna hurt if I find out. That's the world I, like I was that. raised in. Do what's right even if it hurts, but if you do what's wrong and we find out, there's a there's a there's a spanking right. when you get home. There's right. punishment, and that but that's that's a better world to be in because we now live in a world where people don't they don't have any remorse over dealing with the the worst thing they can do. Think about this. A sex traffic victim services. That means she has sex with 20 to 30 men a night. I've heard some numbers like that. It, that is horrible. It's horrible. It, listen, we don't even know loose women that are, that are sleeping with 20 and 30 men a night. I mean, even, in, even, if, even in, in, your, in the wildest fantasies of most people, sexual fantasies of most men, there's not a woman out there that's going, I want to, I'm trying to sleep with 20 or 30 men tonight. And these girls are forced to do that seven days a week with the only break they get is when they're on their period, they're given a break because men don't want to have sex with a woman who's on her period. But they may be given a, a partial break because maybe they can do oral sex or there's other things they can do on those days. So this is going on. So you're talking about tens of thousands of sexual encounters by a sex slave. The average life expectancy of, of someone who's involved in sex trafficking or in prostitution is seven years. Say that again. The, the average. average life expectancy of someone involved in prostitution or sex trafficking is seven years. Okay. Not they do this for seven years and retire. It's not like they're an athlete, a professional athlete, and in seven years they just they're, they're they're too worn out, they're too drugged out, they're too they're not pretty anymore, and so we just we trade them off and get rid of them. They're dead in seven years. That's the that's the average. What happens you to this? You literally guys? mean dead. I mean dead. That when I say life expectancy, I literally mean life expectancy. Now there are people that defy those odds, sure. and there are people that go on and, and work in this industry for twenty or thirty years as prostitutes or whatever. But that's the average. But it's not hard to imagine when you think about. And I haven't done the math to say what if you're sleeping with twenty twenty men a night, seven days a week is one hundred and forty men a week. So in a ten week period, that's fourteen hundred men. In a in a year long period, that's uh, that's seventy seventy thousand men. I think that's right. Maybe that's maybe those numbers aren't right. I'm doing the math on the fly in my head, but that's that's an astronomical thing to think about. But that's what these people are living through. That's that's what that's what they're then they're they're dealing with drug addictions, with alcohol addictions, with with there's all kind of physical abuse that goes on with this. Because you know when you're paying for sex, you're not necessarily treating someone with physical respect. In in just the very fact that you're paying for sex is showing you don't have any respect for the person. 
but you're not also you're not you're not necessarily not beating them, not abusing them, and and some people that's what gets them excited. So they 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 will be abusive in the in the sexual act, and they just have to pay a little more for that. It's tolerated. You just have to pay for it. Everything anything you want can be had for a price, and so these kids are living through that. Less than one percent of the people who are involved in sex trafficking around the world are ever saved or rescued out of sex trafficking. Less than one percent. So those five million people that are being trafficked right now, less than one percent of those people will ever be brought out of sex trafficking. That's about fifty thousand of them. I think no ten percent. Yeah, ten percent, one percent. It's about fifty thousand right now as we speak. all over the world. It's going on in Rome, Georgia. It's happening. There's a there's a, there there are hotels in Rome, Georgia, where there's drugs and sex trafficking going on right now. I know for a fact. There are people in Rome, Georgia, who are, are fairly connected people who are involved in the sex trafficking industry. In Rome, Georgia. Fairly connected. Fairly connected. In Rome, Georgia. People have, the thing that needs to happen is, is we have, we've got to do two things. We've got to say, it doesn't matter what it takes, we're going to stop this. We, we're going to quit playing around with it. We're going to quit ignoring it. We're going to quit hoping it doesn't happen to one of our children. And we're going to say, that's enough. And we've got to figure out how to stop the demand. How do we get to the most of the most of the people that are buying sex are men, whether they're buying boys or girls. Men are buying boys. Men are buying girls. There's very few women that are the customers in this in this exchange. Mm-hmm. We have got to get to a place as a culture and as a world where we do not tolerate men buying sex. Now, there's a huge move all over the world to legalize prostitution. The Germans have legalized it. The Dutch have legalized it. Other countries have looked at it. And their arguments are, their arguments are good. They make a lot of sense when you first think about it. Look, if we legalize prostitution, one, we can set it up in a way that we, get it, we take it out of organized crime's hands to some degree. We're going to get tax revenue from it. We can put them on in these countries that have socialized medicine. We can put them on. Um, we can put them on medical help so that they're and require them to go to to checkups like every week or every two weeks to make sure they don't have sexually transmitted disease. We can clean up the the industry a little bit, clean up the disease side of the industry. Uh, we can we can help them have retirement so they don't have to do this for the rest of their life. Those things all sound really really well and good. The trouble is now in Amsterdam, where you have the famous red light district, where women literally sit in windows and will perform for you, and you pick out which woman you want based on, you just walk by the windows, and when you see the woman you want, you walk in and go, I want the woman in that window right there, and here's what I want to do with her. And anything you you want to do, you can do if you're willing to pay for it. Anything you want to do, you can do if you're willing to pay for it. The trouble is now they've legalized the prostitution, so the traffickers are mingling in unwilling participants in with willing participants, women who are so down on their luck that they came here voluntarily, and you can't tell them apart anymore because it's all legalized. And it, it's, it mm-hmm. feels better if it's legalized. Well, it must be okay. It also increases the demand for it because now if I'm a man and I'm going, wait, I don't have to worry about being arrested for doing this, so the only thing I've got to worry about is getting caught by my wife. But if I'm in Amsterdam for the weekend and my wife lives in Atlanta, she doesn't know what I'm doing on a Friday night. And if I'm not going to be arrested, there's not going to be a, a side issue with this. You're increasing demand. So I, I absolutely think it's a, one of the worst things we can do is to continue to legalize this throughout, throughout the world. 
we've got to hold a firm line and just say, this is not how people are supposed to behave. But this is the end result of that belief that man is not made by God. <laughs> you hit it. <laughs> if man is not special, why can't I do to this, this to this person who's not as healthy? This is also, there's going to be some repercussions to this from the critical race theory and some of that stuff going on. Because if it's white people that are being exploited, is that really a bad thing? Because white people have been so bad, according to critical race theory, just by definition, being white is a bad thing. Therefore, if we take you and and abuse you as a white person, do we really need to care about that? Because that's part of what critical race theory is telling us, is that it only matters if it happens to a person of color. Not necessarily just black people, but brown people, yellow people, people who aren't white. And if it happens to white people, it's okay. Those are the unintended consequences of some of this stuff that nobody's thought through. Wow, I you know. have. <laughs> That's a load. It, it's it's earth-shaking. And then when you, when you look at it and realize that a lot of times the way they're manipulating these kids, if, if, you're, if you're a child that was stolen from your family or manipulated and lured from your family and brought into the world of trafficking, one of the things that happens is they know where you live. And one of the ways they use to control these girls is they tell them, especially in America, if you've got a girl from Rome that you're trafficking in Atlanta and, and you, you picked her up in Rome and you know a little bit about her because they usually trick them into coming in so they know where they live, and you just tell them, look, if you don't do what we're asking you to do, we're going to go back to your house and we're going to take your little brother and we're going to kill him. What? Describe the process that, is, that these girls mainly... Mm-hmm. Are that that they the how they're how they're tra- how they're lured trafficker into tra- utilizes yeah. to take, yeah take care of them well these are, or not take care of them right steal them away yeah these um these traffickers are really nice people first of all and that sounds weird to say and I don't mean it like they're really good people they're not they're evil people but they're they're really nice people in the sense that if you see them. You're not the bells and whistles and alarms don't go off when you interact with these people. You don't you don't go, well, there's something wrong. This is not the creepy, greasy headed guy with the overcoat that's coming out going, kids, you want some candy. These are not these people. These are people that you feel comfortable with. And typically they'll they're working in malls. They're looking for vulnerable people. So they'll walk up to, to groups of girls and, and greet each one of them and see how they respond. And girls that look back and show confidence and look them in the eye and say, I'm fine, how are you? And move on. They they mark them off the list. The girl that looks down, doesn't answer, seems too shy or too vulnerable to answer. They they pick them off from the herd and they come up to them and they say something like, Wow, you look really pretty today. And oh, thank you. And and that's that's a good job with your makeup today. And you know, we're looking for some people to help us put makeup on models for a photo shoot we're doing. And, and we'd love to, to give you an audition to see if you're the right person to help us with that. What do you think? Here's an application. Fill this out. Give us your parents' name and your address. And they get all this information from them because they feel really normal. They've handed them a business card. They've shown them maybe some pictures of here's some of the work some of our other girls have done. We'd love to have you doing this. That's the kind of thing, how they're lured out of a suburban mall like a Rome, Georgia, Mount Berry Mall. And this is not, we're not talking about inner cities here. We're talking about nice kids from nice homes whose parents are just dropping them off at the mall. If you get involved in the human trafficking world, one thing you're going to stop doing is dropping your kids off at the mall. 
Yeah. Because that's, that's one of the worst things. Another way they get him involved is a, is a man will give a girl attention and will start treating her like she's his girlfriend and will, will convince her that he's in love with her. And I, I just love you and I want to spend our, our time together. And he'll convince her to start having sex with him. And then I really love you. I want you to have sex with this friend of mine. If you really love me, you'll just do this. I know it's weird, but do this. And then the next thing you know, he's out selling her. And she thinks that he's her boyfriend, and the whole time all he's done is lured her in to turn her into a sex slave, and then he goes on to the next girl. This is an amazing story. Why don't you write a book? I'm in the process of writing a novel about it right now. A novel? Interesting. I'm just telling one girl's story from Romania uh, to Brazil to America. Wow. It's a nasty book. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to well, read. Well, this is a nasty it story. Is, but I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm writing it unfiltered. I may filter some of it out before I try to publish it, but it's um, it's it's going to be a hard look at a hard place. Well, and I'm we doing need trainings to, we all need over to take world. a hard look at. We've got to. I'm doing I'm doing a training in a couple of weeks in Lafayette, Louisiana, with the police departments there. Me and a, a guy I'm working with who's a CIA agent. What about the home base, Rome, Georgia? Well, I I would love to do some work here. Rome is resistant to a lot of things. And, and one of the things you've got to have to really make this work is you've got to have leadership that's really ready to start working together. And if Rome gets to that place, I'm more than happy to help here. I'd love to do something in my hometown. This is where I live. Yeah. And it, I would love to say we're going to get serious about it here because what I'm wanting to do in Lafayette, Louisiana, is eradicate human trafficking in that parish. How did they discover you? A church, a friend of mine is a pastor of a church. He invited me out to speak and said, will you come talk to the to the government leadership? He had really good connections in the government and invited me to talk to him. I talked to the mayor, chief of police, the sheriff, and the district attorney, and they said, what do we do? And I said, let's start a task force, and now that's what we're in the middle of doing. Okay, well, doggone it, we're going to have to wrap it up, but uh, uh, we're going to have you back again and again well, and again. I'm happy to come anytime you want. No, Mike. this is... Uh, this is so important. This, I, I can't look around in the world of crime and see something that I that I can just pick off as being so horrible. Yeah, as, that this is. Yeah, it's 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 a dark dark world. Okay, let me uh, say thanks to our sponsors, uh, Ann Cruz, Chuck Stein, the law offices of David Goldenshoe, Paper Pack, Joe Manzella. Dave and Jean Wall, Mike Morton, and Deborah Porterfield. Thank you so much, folks, for, for keeping, us, keeping us alive and going. And thank you so much, Joel, for being here and for what you do for us. Absolutely, Mike. With that having been said, we'll see you next week on Tea Party Talk. Mm-hmm.